Well, there's a lot to cover today. First of all, we have the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court now being approved by the United States Senate, and Justice Barrett takes her place on the court today after having been sworn in by the court's oldest serving member, Justice Clarence Thomas. And how coincidental that they were both confirmed by the same margin, 52 to 48. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury for National Preview Online. If you have not already done so, please subscribe to our podcast by going to the iTunes App Store and searching out NP Online, and you can subscribe there. If you are an Android user, simply go to the Google Play Store, download the free Podbean app. That is our hosting service, uh, which is also available to those of you uh, on iTunes as well, if you'd rather do it that way. But it's much easier just to use the native Podbest, uh, podcast aggregator app that Apple gives you with your mobile devices and do it that way. Please also visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash National Preview Online and our website, nationalpreviewonline.com. If you have anything you'd like us to cover, please do not hesitate to shoot me out an email, uh, nationalpreviewonline at gmail.com. So, Justice Barrett, with a very, very informative and uh, excellent speech, made her acceptance after being sworn into the court by Justice Clarence Thomas and made it very clear uh, what she feels the role of a judge should be. The role of a judge is not to write law. It is not to write law. It is not to legislate from the bench. It is to uphold the Constitution of the United States, plain and simple. It is not to invent new laws, invent new rights, and try and twist and manipulate the Constitution into being something that it isn't or saying something that it doesn't. And that is the role of a judge. Everything else in terms of public policy, passing of new laws, new ideas, those are the purview of the legislature. The judiciary only steps in when someone makes a challenge to those new laws on the basis that those laws violate some precept of the United States Constitution. That is it, plain and simple. Now, why is that significant? It's significant because much of what the news media wants you to believe is what the people want in this country is in fact not what the people want. Much of what the left wants and has gotten passed has not gotten passed as a result of winning in the ballot box at in state, local, and federal elections and getting legislation passed. Much of what has been forced down the throats of the American people in terms of leftist ideology and agendas and laws are all the result of manipulation of the judicial branch of the government trying to make it something it was never intended to be, a super legislature, and a more powerful branch of the government than it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be the weakest branch of the government. The executive branch, by very nature of the duties that um, devolve upon it, and Congress, uh, are almost equally powerful. There are certain things that the executive can do on his own without any say-so from anybody. And there are certain things that Congress can do, such as budget and things like that. So they're almost at quits. But the judicial branch really should be weighing in when there's disputes between the two and uh, things like that, but they shouldn't be legislating our lives. Uh, Anyway, 
The court is now a 5-4 solid conservative majority with the addition of Justice Barrett. Justice Roberts, who had been very powerful in the court prior to this time because it was not a solid um, 5-4 majority, he could not be reliably counted upon uh, to do the conservative position. In fact, he's the one that saved Obamacare twice. So now his voice is not as essential. He doesn't have to be kowtowed to. No one has to sort of kiss his butt in a matter of speaking because it can go 5-4 without him. So I imagine he will either go 6-3 on many decisions or it'll go 5-4 because of Justice Barrett. And that's important because I think we need a court that knows its place to uphold the law. And law and order is going to be something we're going to need very much in the coming months. We have Donald Trump running for re-election, as you all know. And there are people in this country that are not happy about him having been elected the first time, and they want to see to it that he's not elected this time. They're doing it to the extent that they are now manipulating poll numbers. The internal polling of the Trump campaign reveals something very different to them. And you can tell that they believe those internal poll numbers, because you can tell by where they're campaigning whether or not they think they're in trouble in certain places. Uh, You can tell by where Biden's campaigning that his internal polls show that he is not the shoe-in, this landslide person that they're telling you he's going to be, or he wouldn't be campaigning in some of the places that he's campaigning in. So, once again, violence hits America's streets. A knife-wielding man was shot in Philadelphia yesterday. And he also happened to be African-American. He was a black man, shot by police officers. Now, I don't know the race of the individual police officers in the short video clip I saw of the shooting. It appeared they were white, but they could have been Hispanic. I don't know. But they didn't appear to be black. What really bothers me with these protests and everything else is, just as in 2016, People want you to believe that Donald Trump is against most of the things that most Americans stand for. That wasn't true, because I just said most of the things that they want you to believe Americans stand for, they don't. It's been foisted upon them by the judiciary. Donald Trump is pretty mainstream in keeping with what most Americans want. Jobs, law and order, clean water, clean air. I don't think Donald Trump has done anything to try and violate those things. And now every time there's a shooting, it is automatically assumed that the police are the ones that are at fault. Now, it clearly could not have gotten all the evidence. And yet, within hours of this shooting, that's an excuse to lay waste to large swaths of the city of Philadelphia. Is this supposed to be the new standard now? Every time the police exercise their authority, and do things which are part and parcel of what we charge them to do to keep us safe, uh, we're suddenly going to have to experience riots. Now, I saw this thing. It was obviously a domestic incident of some type, and that's when usually emotions run high and people are not thinking clearly. The police are arriving trying to restore order. The only thing they're uh, thinking about is trying to do it while escaping injury themselves. 
Now, this man had a knife in his hand. From what I could see, his mother tried to stop him. Police told him to drop it. He did not. Instead of not dropping it and going away, he advanced on them. Now, I know a lot of people uh, are a little bit unsure. They can't fathom why a knife is dangerous to a man with a gun. Well, that's because most people don't know how difficult it is to shoot a gun accurately under high stress, particularly a handgun. And most people don't know how lethal a knife can be and how easily someone can cover a considerable distance with a knife. There have been numerous studies. There was a major film done years ago called Surviving Edged Weapons, where they showed that if a police officer had his duty sidearm in its holster, and most of these holsters were not designed for quick draw, they were designed for retention so they wouldn't be ripped out in a crowd and things like that, especially your urban police officers and that type of holsters they carry because they're in densely populated areas. Someone could easily come up from the side or from behind and they wouldn't be aware of it until maybe too late. If a police officer has his weapon in its holster, a man with a knife can cover 21 feet and the majority of time he will still reach that officer and cut him prior to the officer being able to deliver effective fire, prior to him being able to draw, aim, and deliver effective fire at that moving target. If it's less than 21 feet, the situation becomes even more dangerous. The gun almost already has to be in your hand so that you can bring it up to bear. You don't have time to draw it. And at closer distances, if the gun isn't in your hand, you are far better off not shooting at all. You're better off trying to engage hand-to-hand and stop that knife. Because if you try and grab the, knife, grab the gun out of your holster, you may get shot, uh, stabbed before you can ever clear leather. So knives are a very, very dangerous thing. Now, these police officers already had their guns out, and they were dr- uh, drawn. And they were up in an aiming position, pointing towards at him. But it seemed to me, uh, it was a very fast video, and then CNN paused it when he started rushing towards them. I guess they didn't want people to see that, maybe because it was too graphic. Maybe because it portrayed the cops in a better light, I don't know. But at the time the video was cut, they hadn't shot yet. The man appeared to me to be less than 21 feet from the officers, and he was moving towards them. And people can cover an awful lot of distance pretty quick. So I don't know how close he actually was to them when they actually started firing, but he was clearly less than 21 feet. And there's no guarantee that the first rounds actually hit him. Rounds might have missed, so he might have been continuing to come forward. And as long as people in a state of high stress like that see someone with a knife still moving forward at them, they're not cognizant of whether or not the first shots hit. Most people can't see bullets hit. What they see is the consequence of bullets hitting. You shoot someone who's moving, and all of a sudden now he stops moving, you make the assumption that he's been hit. You shoot someone who's moving, and he continues to move, you make the assumption that he hasn't been hit, even though he might have been. So you continue to shoot until he stops moving, or ceases to be a threat. But automatically, the people now think they have license to assume that the cops were wrong, and it's their duty now to rape, pillage, and plunder. So now the National Guard of Pennsylvania has been called into Philadelphia to restore order. 
And it shouldn't have to come to this. It should not have to come to this. The president now says he's prepared to send federal forces in if requested or if necessary. He's not going to tolerate lawlessness. Now, I don't think he's going to have to do that now that the governor, unlike the governors in other states, like Portland in the state of Oregon and um, Seattle in the state of Washington, where the governors were reluctant to call on the National Guard, the governor of Pennsylvania seems to have not been reluctant. Now, he doesn't have to call him in. The mayor probably asked him, but he didn't resist it. When he was asked, he sent them in unhesitatingly. So I think the situation will be resolved. But it shouldn't have to come to this. And it makes me wonder, what is going to happen on Election Day? And so as much as I wanted to make additional observations about Amy Coney Barrett, which I will probably tomorrow, um, I did want to address this shooting in Philadelphia, uh, its aftermath, and what I think this sort of thing portends for next Tuesday's election, a week from today. I've told you before on this show that these poll numbers you're getting are not accurate. They're being skewed on the basis of the sample, and they're using antiquated models which do not adequately account for the shy or silent Trump voter, the person who is intending to vote for Trump, but will not reveal it to pollsters or anyone else for fear of ridicule and other consequences. Trump is ahead. For anybody to suggest things like the state of Texas being in play for Biden, I mean, they're really smoking funny cigarettes. Can't be possible. Biden. Senator Warren, Senator Sanders, Senator Kamala Harris, and now former President Barack Obama are all on the campaign trail campaigning for Biden. They can't draw flies. Collectively, they can't draw what Donald Trump draws, singularly. Donald Trump goes to the airport, there's there's people, 20, 20 people deep lining the parade route just to catch a glimpse of the man. And people say, oh, it's because he's entertaining. Is he entertaining when he's in a limousine, not saying anything? There is a movement out there. There is a major movement that Donald Trump has tapped into. I said this before. This is something that the mainstream media still does not want to accept or understand. Donald Trump did not create the movement that catapulted him to the White House. Donald Trump capitalized on an existing movement. It was the same movement that aroused the British people to take their country back in Brexit. The waves of Brexit rolled across the Atlantic and swept Donald Trump into the White House. It's a worldwide revolt against globalism and a resurgence of nationalism and patriotism. People want their country back. People want their borders secure. People have been asking for these things all along. Donald Trump was the only one speaking to those issues. He became the focal point. He became the rallying point of this movement. And that's how he got elected. That movement hasn't disappeared. That movement's only grown because they see the results when somebody gets into office and wants to exercise 
the authority of the office to produce the results that can be obtained when that agenda is pursued. We have secure borders today that we didn't have four years ago. We have economic prosperity. We've extricated ourselves from agreements that were negotiated that were not within the best interests of the United States, such as NAFTA and the Pacific deal that we got out of that Hillary Clinton was very much in favor of. Donald Trump is going to win. Make no mistake about it. He's going to win. He's going to win big. What happens when he wins? You're going to have riots on Election Day, my friend. Now, they may be attenuated to some degree because the news media is not going to declare a winner on Election Eve because of all of this voluminous amount of mail-in voting, which is nothing more than a recipe for fraud, as I've explained in the past. But it's going to appear to people watching that on Election Eve, Donald Trump has won an overwhelming landslide. Now, I still think he's going to win. How big it's going to be, I really can't tell you. Because a couple of key states may go either way. But I think enough of them will stay in the Trump column that he will be the winner. But the margin of victory is going to seem much bigger on Election Eve. Why? Because nobody gives you any count of the, of the votes that were mailed in in advance. They only give you the account on the machines at the end of the day. So at the end of the day, Trump is going to appear to have won big be, simply because a far greater percentage of Republicans have stated they intend to vote on Election Day than Democrats. A greater percentage of Democrats say they plan on mailing in their vote. Republicans, at almost 50%, are going to vote on Election Day. So naturally, the numbers are going to look very, very good for Donald Trump. And I think these anarchists are going to go ballistic when that happens. I'm making arrangements to make sure that I vote very, very early in the morning before anybody gets up and starts rioting. I'm going to make sure that I'm back home with my family to protect them. We're all going to be together. And I'm going to be home early enough before anything has happened, and none of our cars will be in the city where we live. They'll all be someplace else, safe from the riots. And I will be secure on the very, very high floor that I live on. I don't expect anyone's going to come into the building. Uh, And we're going to ride out the storm. And hopefully by the morning, uh, everything will be okay and order will be restored. But if it's not, then we're staying in for two more days. But that's the skinny. So I'm advising all of you that you should make preparations for Election Day. If you live in a city that you think has the potential for violence in the wake of a Trump victory, you ought to rethink what you plan on doing on Election Day after you vote. Better make plans to vote early and hunker down because it's going to be a hell of a ride. And as these votes are counted, and as it becomes more and more apparent that Trump is going to win, the violence is only going to escalate. And they're going to try and intimidate you. They're going to try and intimidate you either into not voting, changing your vote before Election Day, or intimidating your local governments into abandoning any fight to try and get Trump 
installed for a second term. They want you to believe that all you have to do is just do what they say and everything will go back to normal. That there'll be no more violence. Well, everything is not going to go back to normal, my friends. I think there'll be just as much violence. Maybe not quite as much as during the transition period, but more violence than we're accustomed to. And make no mistake about it, the slippery slope we're on to socialism is only going to accelerate. Now, I don't think the majority of the American people are of the sort that want to succumb to threats and blackmail. They want their country back. So I say to you, you want to tell me that I have to sit down and shut up and do what you say and everything will be okay? Well, I don't think so. I'm going to hit you over the head with a baseball bat if you try and take away what's mine. I don't bother anybody. I don't expect anyone to bother me. And I think most Americans feel that way. And I think because of that, because this country still is a land of people that want to work, people that want a better life and a better life for their children and who believe in God, that on election day, they're going to tell sleepy, corrupt Joe Biden and company and the Democratic Party to go to the devil. And they're going to vote for the only man that has demonstrated any propensity to stand up for them. And that man is Donald Trump. Donald Trump may not be a perfect man. Very few of us are. The only one I know of, they hung to a cross from a cross 2,000 years ago. But Donald Trump is a man, and he is a man for the times. The times beckon such a man to resolve our problems. And I throw my full support behind him. And I ask you to do the same. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.